Hey everyone, welcome to Founders 365 with me, Stephen Hagsey. Today I'm joined by Cara Brown, <laughs> or in the UK we would say Cara, or if you're from up the north you would say Cara, so we'll see, um, who is founder of Smith Brown Marketing. How are you today? Wonderful, thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and I think we need to jump straight into this stat of the 1.7, because this is what the podcast is called, only 1.7 percent of female founders will make one million dollars in avenue annual revenue true. Um, which is just shocking really isn't it yeah it's it's uh it is and it isn't shocking like okay hearing the statistics sounds shocking mm. but when you actually get to know sort of what it takes to become a female entrepreneur and then getting over the million dollar mark like yeah. it's hard it's hard work um and i think it takes it's a lot for anyone right so i'm part of the entrepreneur organization and they say that only four percent of all entrepreneurs will break a million dollars in revenue yeah and so you know women being the two percent of you know less than that isn't a huge shocker but like the yeah when you put it in point, that statistic you kind of go well yeah kind of 50 percent, 50 50 it almost yeah. makes sense Maybe, but like, yeah, but the 1.7 is like a real number. And then the uh, the other stats that are interesting is less than 10% of female founders have more than one employee. Okay. And the this is so these are these are American numbers from American yeah. Express. Um, and that the the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in the country, so people starting new businesses, are actually African American women. Wow. And but they also don't ever essentially like they're they're they're, they're in the rounding error of that 1.7%. So yeah. it's a real battle and that, I think it's really interesting a lot of people talk about fundraising money, right? So how few founders uh, how few female founders or specifically female founders of color will raise money. Mm -hmm. and we don't, I don't play in that game, right? Like I have been on teams that have raised money, I have been on teams that have taken companies public. But you know, it's for the average small business founder, which is who we're sort of talking about, not the tech-based VC-backed folks, but, you know, your consulting company, your advertising agency, your yeah, graphic yeah. design shop, they will almost never break a million bucks. And the big question is, why is that? Why do you feel this is the case? Well, I've just I thrown, I've just thrown, a, yeah. just thrown <laughs> into the ocean there. <laughs> So I think it has a lot to do with confidence. Um, yep. There's a terrific organization. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. The terrific organization here in the Southeast called Launchpad 2X, run by an incredible woman named Bernie Dixon. And Bernie does a three-day boot camp for female founders of any type, right? So you don't have to be a tech founder, which mm -hmm. a lot of the incubators and and um, and accelerators focus on technology. She yeah, will yeah. take you. If you're a girl like me who's running a consulting shop, she'll take you and turn you into an actual CEO, which is really cool. But going from the sort of, I run a small business or I do what I did in corporate and now I do it for an hourly rate, right? Is different than having a business, yeah. right? Yeah. Being a CEO is really different than sort of, I'm a one man band. And I think that's hard. I think it's hard mm -hmm. for a lot of women to, have the confidence to see themselves as a CEO, not just the, the someone who runs a small business, right? And then I think for me, 
um, I didn't have a goal when I first started the business. It was just, you know, do the work, make money. You know, I'm a mom too. So do that job. And, uh, when I joined the entrepreneur organization, I joined in their accelerator program. And so EO is a global organization and the accelerator is 250,000 to, uh, a million in revenue. So the whole goal of the accelerator program is to get you to a million bucks in revenue. And it all sort of happened for me at the same time, right? So I got into the Launchpad 2X thing with Bernie Dixon. I got into EOA, which is the accelerator program. And then EOA said to me, and then I learned this stat, this 1.7% stat. And EOA said to me, your new goal is to get a million bucks in revenue to get into that club over there. And I was like, cool, hold my beer. Like, (laughs) here we go, right? And so I think... Uh, I think it may not, it also may not be the goal for some women. If yeah. you know, the goal may not be to be in sort of the club. Um, I would may love not even it. Be on their radar. What's that one more time? It's, it's probably not even on some radars. Yeah. Like, or it just feels so out of the realm yeah. of possibility. Right. I mean, when I first started the business, I was doing, you know, 80 bucks an hour for target pin money with two kids under two in my basement in my pajamas, like a million dollars was not, you know, living the dream. Yeah. Living the dream in my basement with my, you know, having calls with like a child, you know, like just it was awful. It was a terrible, terrible time. And if you had said to me then, Hey, your goal is to break a million dollars in revenue. I probably would have just like given up. Right. Yeah. Like it just felt just so knocked awful. off. Yeah, like why even bother? Like if that's the yeah. goal, like why bother trying? Let's let's rewind then. Let's rewind to the beginning of Smith, uh, Smith Brown marketing. How did it come around? How did you get to that stage of being in your basement with your two kids, working for even even working for the eighty dollars an hour? Yeah, right. So uh, way back early on, I was one of the first employees of a very cool startup called Echo Global Logistics which was one of the first tech-enabled freight brokers. Very sexy, all the truck. Uh, they're now a $3 billion publicly traded company. So they did just They've done good. Yeah, they did all right. Um, I was very fortunate to be sort of next to the C-suite and got plucked sort of out of obscurity to help do their IPO and do some really cool stuff around the office. The founders of Echo Global Logistics are Eric Lipkowski and Brad Keywell of Groupon fame. So I also got to work closely with Eric and Brad and sort of watch the Groupon thing mm. happen next door as we were doing an IPO. So grew up in this really entrepreneurial sort of atmosphere with all these really Amazing. cool people, right? Um, and then moved to Nashville to do another IPO for a supply chain management company. Instead of going public, uh, there's sort of a long story there, but they didn't go public. So I moved back to Chicago. And when we moved back to Chicago, my husband's like, let's make babies. And I was like, great, <laughs> good timing. And like any other stay-at-home mom who is actually a trapped business person, trapped by a small human, I was like, I should just do some stuff for some friends. And I had these friends from my sort of group on Echo Days that had started businesses. And so I started sending emails from for friends in the basement of my house for essentially target money. Like we were so poor that for me to go to target, I had to make the money to spend at target, yeah. like, like living on one income. 
And that sort of took off from there. I ended up with a job opportunity from one of those clients, took me to Atlanta. And then here in Atlanta is sort of where the magic happened. So um, exited sort of a cool startup that I had moved here for and decided to start the business here in Atlanta. So we did about 500K in business the first year that we were here in Atlanta. And mm. I did it with an all-female team. So it was, a, it was an amazing ride. Um, but the the two babies in my house in my pajamas is like, I look back on it now and it was like this much of the story, you know, it's just this exactly. But there's, not, there's such a stark contrast there, isn't there? From doing the $80 target money to half a million in revenue. What do you say in your first year? Yeah. Like year one in Atlanta. Yeah. Crazy. How I, did you manage to keep up with yourself during that time? Oh, I didn't. <laughs> Simply <laughs> enough. I didn't. <laughs> I mean, if I'm totally honest, we Be I honest, all the time. That's I mean, that's the hardest part, and maybe that is why so many women don't make it. It's the mm. the scaling from zero to a million is so hard. I mean, you have to hire exactly the right people, have exactly the right customer, have the confidence to price yourself appropriately. I mean, I remember going from you know eighty bucks an hour to a hundred dollars an hour, and like. Ooh, being nervous that someone would say no. And, you know, now we're like, you know, an actual consulting company with like actual rates and like a team of 12. And, um, and even then we're super tiny, but, but the, the, the process of sort of getting my confidence level up to a point where I could walk in a room and command, you know, two, two fifty an hour. That's a long process. And I don't know if it's that long for a lot of bearded tech white guys. I don't know. I'm not one of them. <laughs> but um, I don't know that their experience is is that similar in terms of yeah. like getting your confidence level up to be able to. Sure. to and, and building that team of 12 uh, female employees, was that a conscious effort for you to make sure you do that, to surround yourself with those sorts of hungry go-getter attitude? Yeah. So in the beginning, it was definitely the goal was to cross the million dollar mark with an all female team. Yeah. which we did uh we now hire dudes so <laughs> we we have a couple on the team and they're we love them they're great um but in the beginning it was it was it was about um once i learned the one percent number the 1.7 mm. number and i went through bernie dixon's launchpad 2x i just went out and looked for other women that were just incensed by it the way that i was and i found them <laughs> and they were willing to work really hard and do great work sort of knowing that the sort of underpinning or the bedrock or the the larger goal that we have is to empower women yeah um and we don't lead with that i mean our business is really focused at supply chain heavy industrial and technology companies so our clients sell uh robots for warehouses or their freight brokers or their transportation management software companies so we don't our clients are not female focused at all. Yeah. Um, so the women I got to work for me were sort of dedicated to the idea that a woman focused business or a feminist business could still really do well mm. in sort of a male dominated market. Exactly. And for you, how did it feel when you saw the the number of a million on the piece of paper at that moment and you just thought, I did it. 
of done. So nice you asked that question. There was definitely a you did it moment, but there's a funny, an even funnier story about what happened after. So I was checking the ARR every day in QuickBooks, right? Like running the report. <laughs> I'd like, I would send five invoices and then I would like check the report, right? And it was like 990. It's like that um, on the social network film when he's, when yes. he's refreshing to get yes. to the, uh, yes. the million users. Yeah, so I would like send a bunch of invoices and then I would like hit the hit the math on QuickBooks. And uh, when it finally happened, we were over the moon. We had a big party. We did a big social media splash. I mean, it was great. It was awesome. Uh, but what happened after was even more interesting. So once I hit a million bucks, I no longer had a goal. Mm, massive, right? yeah. And that was it. And so I ended up going on a retreat for a board I sat on, uh, got really drunk and fell down a flight of stairs, which I realized later <laughs> was which is not normal behavior for me, which I realized later was sort of my reaction to not having the next goal. Yeah. Right. And so it forced me to sort of sit down and think about, okay, so if you got, you know, the first sort of the floor goal, if you will, like what's next, right. Mm. And so creating a real BHAG, creating one, five and 10 year goals for the team became really important. And it's actually been our guiding light even through COVID. So we're growing through COVID, which is amazing, been an amazing, crazy, terrible, very guilty um, experience. Interesting. Let's talk about the guilt. Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, you brought it up. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm happy to. When your business is growing, and I mean, like Q2 is going to blow yeah. Q1 out of the water. When your friends' businesses are really suffering, and not just mm. their businesses, but your friends, like yeah. Most of my friends now, especially in Atlanta here, are entrepreneurs and like everyone is having a really hard time. And so when you're pulling 12 hour days and closing deals and hiring people like and everyone else is suffering, there's a there's a piece of guilt to that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like but why do you think they are not doing that? Oh, I mean, some of my friends are just in businesses like, you know, um, no, I've just been hit hard. Yeah, like, I mean, like out of yeah. control. Yeah, I mean, if you're in hotels or you, you know, yeah. I've got a couple of friends that run amazing restaurants. Like, you know, it's not you're not a bad business person. You didn't no. do anything wrong. Like, you know, the government literally shut you down. Right? There's nothing you can do yeah. about it. Out of your control. So, yeah, out of your control. Now, I do know some people that could do more mm -hmm. right now that aren't, but like everyone's also like emotionally dealing with this differently. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so. I'm trying really hard not to judge my colleagues that are also small business owners that I know and like be as supportive as possible. So we're giving away free work. Um, we're helping out people at like a hyper discounted rate. Um, we know a lot about email campaign marketing and how to get people to, you know, subscribe to stuff and find buying signals. So we're handing it out for free. We're doing webinars to like, we do, we are very specific business to business lead generators. Mm -hmm. So we generate leads for clients and we're sort of like, we'll take a 30 minute call with anyone who just wants to talk about how they could do lead gen better in like the sort of COVID lockdown. Yeah. Really interesting, Steven in the U S we're seeing pickups. So dialing for dollar pickups are up almost 30% wow. year over year. So what we found people are home. Yeah, we assume it's because people are sitting at home, right? Yeah. And so we can get in front of senior execs 
at businesses that we couldn't, I mean, we could never get in front of like senior VP of fulfillment at Carter's, right? Like, yeah, yeah, right. Like you're never getting in front of that guy. And suddenly we can sort of, we're seeing engagement from those people. We're seeing pickups from those types of people. Um, And it's changed, it's materially changing our customers' businesses. So back to your question about guilt is we're trying to do everything we can to help our colleagues in arms, if you will, um, with lead gen or marketing support or whatever we can do. Exactly. And how do you think it's going to change moving forward? Do you think, have you discovered anything during this time that you're going to implement into your business moving forward after the, uh, I always say like after this pandemic, but whatever this after is that we're moving into? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, to be totally honest. I wish I could predict the future. Um, so we are taping this at the end of You'll be earning a lot more than a million if you could predict the future. Yeah, you? exactly. I would, I would, you're delightful, Stephen, but I wouldn't be sitting here. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'd be at the World Economic Forum. Yeah, um, exactly. So I think, um, a couple of things that we're definitely going to do differently as a business is we're totally virtual and we let our lease go. We're not going back to an office. Um, so you're, in an, you're in an office before. Yeah, we were in an office before. Uh, we had a sixty day out in the lease, and so mm-hmm. the minute we all went home, I just pulled the sixty day out. So we were done sometime in mid uh, right. May, I think. And I think the other thing I think is going to happen, which is not good news, but if I am an economist, I'm not an economist, but if I was, this is what I would say: is it's the end of May now. I think the PPP money is going to run out, and we're going to see another wave of. Um, unemployment in America, mm-hmm. which is going to be really hard for a lot of people. And I think we're going to start to see more gig economy in the B2B space. So I'll yeah, give you an example. Um, so a dear, dear friend of mine called me about 10 weeks ago and he said, listen, I got laid off. He was a very successful sales rep. He sold fancy chin implants, which is funny. Chin implants. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no one's buying chin implants. I'm like, oh my God, I'm shocked. So uh, he said, give me something to do. I just need something to do, right? Give me something to do. So we put him to work, essentially dialing for dollars. Mm-hmm. So this is a very seasoned sales rep in his late 30s who has been really successful in his career, right? The economy is the reason he got laid off, not because he's not good at his job. And we put him to work dialing for dollars, and he is closing deals for our clients like crazy. So we took the model and we rinsed and repeat and we picked up almost 20 laid off sales reps. Amazing. And we just put them back to work and it's been working like crazy. So I think the idea that the gig economy that sort of started to take off with like Lyft and Uber and these sort of yeah. DoorDash stuff could potentially migrate into the B2B world. You've got a lot of really seasoned folks that have really cool skill sets. But I'm not sure the businesses are going to be willing to take the risk on a W-2 in the next year. Mm. Um, who knows? Maybe they will. The big ones will, the Microsofts and the yeah, Facebook. Yeah. But for the for the rest of us, you know, what do you end up doing? And can you find a way to work for yourself using the skills that you have, right? Um, I sort of see that as maybe the wave of the near, near future. Mm-hmm. Um, it terrifies me a little bit. <laughs> Uh, just because that's a lot of really skilled labor out there sort of yeah. doing their own thing. But I mean, it also comes back to what you said earlier about there's a vast majority of those people will really struggle with working for themselves doing it in that manner. 
It's, yeah. They're going to have to build up confidence right. in some form rather than, you know, walk like the chin guy walks. <laughs> he, he was, even though he's probably on a commission base setup, he still had a product. He knew what to right. sell. He could walk into an office. He knew his product, all this kind of stuff. And when we take that away from them, we take some of their identity away. So a lot of this is going to be rediscovering. I think that personally, I think the lockdown in itself is a great, has been a great chance for people just to rediscover what they actually want to do, which means that moving forward, companies are talent wise, you're going to have people that are going to want to work for you rather than, oh, it's just a job. You know, still I, always hadn't have about a job. Way. Um, I really like your perspective on that. I hadn't thought about, you know, does this guy want to sell chin implants or does he just want to sell? Yeah. Right. Um, and so, or does he not want to sell at all? And he really wants to write children's stories. Like, exactly. you know, that's like he, he wasn't at, you know, school when he was a boy thinking, I'm going to sell chins. When I'm <laughs> he was looking I don't at know, people. I should ask him, actually, it'd be funny to know what he thought he was going to do when he grew up. Of course, exactly. I never thought I would do this. Right. Like, I think it's, if you ask thing. If you, you know, did you think you were going to be a podcaster? Like, probably not, right? Probably not. Podcast is a thing, right? Exactly. So I'm excited. Like, and there's a couple of friends of mine that would tell you that I've been preparing for this since August. I was telling people that I was excited about the coming recession. I was, I'm not super thrilled that it came with coronavirus, but the recession itself, I'm actually okay with. People are now going to blame you for the recession because. Economist Kara Brown is happy for the recession. (laughs) I, uh, I'm looking forward to the talent. I think that there are yeah. gonna, there's going to be so much great talent that gets shed from companies that, you know, either didn't really know how to put these people to work or they didn't have the foresight to mm-hmm. pivot when they needed to. Um, so I, the PPP running out for American companies in mid-June is going to be hard for a lot of people. I'm looking forward to it because I can't wait to pick up some really incredible talent men and women (laughs) um, that can help us take the pivot, the pivots two or three that we have and really turn them into like successful businesses. And so I think if you're, if you're, if you're a woman now who is at or just around that 1.7% mark, this is the time, right? Like buckle down, get out there. I think, you know, biz dev is so hard right now getting clients to, sign on the dotted line is hard but if you can close like this is the opportunity to do it right now mm. so this brings me on to the obvious next question smith brown marketing what's next where are you guys going where are you heading <laughs> so uh 10 weeks ago we created a whole new business around this dialing for dollars piece i don't think it's going anywhere um we were very well positioned to sort of bring on these folks we're not a traditional call center um i think there's a virtual call center tech piece that we are super close to i'm not a software girl but i think there are some softwares that exist out there that we can put together in a package and sort of turn that on for folks uh the other growth opportunity for us is in hubspot so we are um one of the few HubSpot Platinum CRM Enterprise Implementers. A lot of acronyms there. They need a better uh, name. I know, right? <laughs> but essentially, we do big HubSpot installs. So 200 reps, 400 reps, HubSpot installs. And there aren't a whole lot of folks that can do that sort of at scale. 
And I am a firm believer that in 2020, 2021, the sales and marketing operations teams will be asked to cut cost. Mm -hmm. And folks that are using Salesforce or other expensive tools that go with Salesforce um, will be asked to cut back and we'll be there with our relatively inexpensive <laughs> CRM and marketing automation platforms with all the bells and whistles to sort of pick up that work. So we've got a really nice HubSpot implementation business. Love it. Um, and then I think lastly is PR. I think we have another brand called Lead Coverage and Lead Coverage is hyper specific for supply chain only. And I think this is supply chain's moment. I mean, if there were ever a moment for trucks, planes, and boats to be on everyone's mind, it's when the toilet paper runs out. And uh, this is their moment to shine. So we've got a lot of clients that have these incredible stories of pivoting to you know, shipping ethanol to create hand sanitizer, yeah. um, you know, pivoting to to find a way to, to get PPE into the hands of people that need to have it at the front line. So I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunity out there if you're positioned correctly. Um, and so that's what's next for us. Well, on one, a random question now, coming back to mindset, what is it do you think that takes a founder for, to be able to pivot to those that don't? Big question. Uh, yeah, it's a big question. Um, because it's Why? almost frustrating to see, isn't it? When we see, like your friends that you can, can that you can see doing well. It's from my standpoint as well. I can see businesses that I know can be doing so much more or so much better than they are, but the founder just can't get their head around being able to pivot in that manner and start doing things differently. Yeah. So, why do you think some founders really latch onto that, and you know? act fast, change direction, sort of be more responsive to what's going on versus those that may do it eventually, but they're probably a little bit slower on the uptake. So I think the first thing, I think there's probably two components. The first is financial comfort, mm. right? So uh, we're super fortunate. Like I said, we had been planning for a recession since August. So we were doing all the things that my very conservative CPA had told me to do. <laughs> um, so from my cash flow, literally, he was like, put all the money in the savings account. And I was like, yes, sir, like we'll do. Um, and so from a financial perspective, we were ready to sort of hold on, bend on the hatches. You know, we didn't have to do furloughs. Uh, we didn't lay anybody off. So Brilliant. that was helpful, was sort of being ready for the storm. So. You know, if, if you're if your cash flow, you know, negative and your bank is like, hey, we can't, you know, there's some folks that just aren't going to be in a position where a pivot yeah. is going to work. Right. But let's say you are. Let's say you've got cash in the bank and you've got a really good team. I think, you know, my team is just my team has blown this whole thing out of the water. They're amazing. Um, and you're having a trouble with the pivot. I, I think it's being OK with being uncomfortable. Right. Like, yeah, great. Steven, I have never run a virtual call center in my life, right? You do now. Yep. Like I've run sales teams. I know the basics. It can't be that hard, right? Like, and I think we're we're living in an age where um, I have incredible reps doing the calls. Like these are not twenty two year olds. We have to tie to yeah. these are folks that know what they're doing. 
Um, and so you've been able to tap into a talent that you'd never be able to tap into before exactly. this. Like I would never be able to get a chin salesman guy to come dial for dollars for me three months ago. Right. He was very busy selling chin implants and um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I think, I think, I think, but you have, you have to be really uncomfortable selling mm. that. Right. Like I had to turn to someone and say, I will put this guy to work for you and we will help you close deals without really knowing it was going to work yeah without having any idea how to price it's it. Risk, isn't it yeah so i think being being okay with being uncomfortable and being okay with the risk yeah i think is a huge piece of being able to pivot you know just yeah. being okay and with being uncomfortable and that's and the think, thing that you see in most successful people anyway yeah, I think so. I don't. I don't know the author of a book that wrote. I'm sure there's an author somewhere that wrote about. It must be an author of how you know, to pivot and be successful. How to pivot and like yeah. how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. 100%. I'm sure there's a book out there. If there isn't, I should write it for sure. Exactly. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think you know most the the entrepreneurs that I see in my community, my friends, that are finding a way to make the lockdown and COVID and sort of the economic response work for them, are very uncomfortable. Like none of us are sitting around, you know, working four hours a day right now, right? Like if you're going to make this opportunity happen, you should, like, I am tied to a chair 12 hours a day. Like mm. I see my children in the morning and then at night, like I, you know, I'm working harder and more hours than I ever have as an entrepreneur. But if you're not going to do it now, then when? Yeah. Right. And so taking this opportunity to, Batten on the hatches, right? Get your financial house in order. I mean, we we're hiring people. I hired a coach. I've never had like Ooh. a real, I know I'm super excited about it. I've never had like a real financial sort of coach person before. Yeah. And when I reached out to my network to like see if this guy was any good, the feedback I got was, holy cow, if he has time for you, Do you it. should totally take this. Like this guy's amazing. And so the opportunity is all of his normal coaching clients, he does a lot of um, like startup incubators and stuff. They're all turned off. Yeah. So there are people out there that have bandwidth because other things have been, you know, shut down. So think about like your, I don't know if I, if I didn't have this particular coach who I'm super happy with, maybe it's a chef, right? Maybe there's a chef in your, in your neighborhood who or in your community who isn't running his, his businesses right now, but he's a super successful business person, chef, right? Like, I don't know, or someone that runs a, a really successful nightclub who hasn't been yeah. able to open in the last three months. Like maybe you can spend some time with that person and get some advice or some thoughts or have them do some work for you on marketing. Like, I just think that there are people out there that are, that have these incredible talents that aren't using them right now. And mm -hmm. only because of the economic issues that like, if you get creative and you ask people for help, They've got time. Yeah. And if you can get in with them now, you're even after things go, you know, when the restaurants open, when the nightclubs open, you're still in with that person. Yeah, exactly. So this coach that I got only because the rest of the stuff that he was doing sort of dried up for the summertime, he literally said to me, well, I'm not really doing much else because everything else canceled. So <laughs> you want to get this done by August one. And I was like, all right, let's, let's do, do it. it. Right. Like I knew it was going to, it's a whole other job right? To, to, to do the homework that this guy wants yeah. me to do. And it's my own homework. It's not, you know, 
but it's good for the business. But the point is, you know, take on the extra work, right? Yeah. Do it, get it done now. Don't wait for this thing to be over. I keep seeing these awful, awful posts on LinkedIn from marketers and salespeople that are like, you know, here's a quick poll. Are you waiting until it's over? Are you taking yeah, a pause? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like now is the time to double down, like double yeah. down right now, because you're right. The amount of people that are just sort of crossing their fingers and hoping is is crazy. Uh, well, and I think what's funny is that there are people out there crossing their fingers and hoping, and then there's folks like you and me who are hustling. <laughs> and when it's over, they're going to look around and be like, oh, shit, where did all the market share go? I'll yeah. be like, I got it all. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. All. It's all mine. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's almost just like filtering as well, though. It's filtering all those people that perhaps would never have made it to the level that they wanted to make it in, in the first place because they're not showing up. They're not doing the work. They're not seeing opportunities and the opportunities that can be found. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I think there are some folks that, you know, had businesses because the economy was really good. Yeah, of course. Always. And I would be happy to hire those people because yeah. if they, you know, if you got to a point where your business was successful and the economy was good, like you're doing something right. Right. You're mm. doing a good job. You're hustling. Um, but I think it, you know, it, it takes a, it takes the strong person. The other thing, and I didn't mention this earlier, Stephen, is I think my personal life, like I have two kids, but I have an incredible husband who's mm -hmm. like, A, he's a former fitness model, so he's really good looking. Um, <laughs> and B, <laughs> he's also just like the best, right? Yeah. So I'm tied to my chair 12 hours a day. And he, I never hear a complaint. Like you're working too much. You're doing that support network. Yeah. Like the support network is so important. Yeah. And if you have that, like you're in, you know, you're light years ahead of mm. like, sort of the folks around you. So it's not really advice for folks that are already married. Cause if you're, if you're already in it, you're in it. But um, if you're unhappily married right now, you're in a really tricky situation. <laughs> yeah. And I have no advice for those people. And I yeah. don't know what to Just good luck. Um, <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> but I think if you aren't, right, and if you are sort of looking for the part the business partner, right, or the spouse or someone to like join this journey with you, now's a really good time to like mm. vet that, right? Like really good point. You know, are you in it with me? We're in it like we're literally feel like we're in a foxhole right now. Like yeah. who is the person you want next to you in that foxhole? I gotta tell you, my team is knocking the socks off of this stuff and I can't wait for like the party post like <laughs> lockdown that I can throw. You'll be falling down those stairs again in yeah. no time. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. But no. yeah, I just but, um, I want to say thank you, you know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's your team is what makes a business a business. It's uh it, it is everything. And I think nowadays teams are getting more valued, people are getting more valued, the way people are working is changing. I think that's just going to carry on doing it. The fact you've gone virtual is a great idea because it also shows that you value your team's life as well. Because, you know, think not say that your team had this, but think about how many people sort of commute for two, four hours a day when that time could be spent with kids, spouse, yeah. you know, playing hockey or whatever it is they want to do. So um, the other thing which we did um, last week, I realized we were at week 10 for us of lockdown and I was exhausted, just totally exhausted. Mm. And we had Memorial Day here in the States. So we had all the yep. all one day off and I was like, oh my gosh, it felt so good. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, if I'm feeling this exhausted, so is the team. 
So we instituted a mandatory day off. So we've got 12 on the team. So for the next 12 weeks or six weeks, I guess, everyone is taking either Monday or Friday off. It's not PTO and it doesn't count against your vacation. It's a required day off because if I'm this stressed out and stressed out's the wrong word, but if I'm this feeling it, yeah, feeling it, you know, you're feeling, and we're all feeling it. Right. So if I'm feeling it this acutely and I'm the boss, I can't imagine what someone, you know, one of my team members is feeling and no one's going to admit it because everyone wants to, you know, be fine with working 12 hours a day, but no one really is. And so we, yeah, so we're forcing that we're forcing one person or two people (laughs) Friday. I love that you're forcing it as well. We are. We're like, do not answer Slack, get off, turn. I'm actually, we have an out of office contest. So whoever has the funniest out of office at the end of the 12 weeks gets a special prize. Uh, I usually win. I have great out of office messages. But um, when you're next out of office, let me know when you're going to be just so I I can email you to find out what it is. I will. Uh, yeah, you know, you got to make your mental health is super important. The whole yeah. team's mental health, you know, and as an entrepreneur too, like, you know, you got to get outside, you got to take walks, you got to take breaks. You know, I, I have a business coach and then I have like a mindset coach, someone that I just mm-hmm. touched really more like a therapist than anything else, but, um, someone who listens to me bitch and helps me sort of think through things and it's awesome. So yeah. taking that time That's for yourself. I am, I have. Really enjoy just hearing your story, hearing the business, hearing what you guys are getting up to, and more importantly, what you're going to go and dominate, because I just feel like <laughs> this is a super exciting time for you. Look out um, for me so, at the World Economic Forum. Exactly. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch, learn more about your business, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. So we're smithbrownmarketing.com. It's not super complicated. It's really easy. easy. It's boring, right? My maiden name and married name like switched together. Um, and yet we spent second... seven days figuring that out. No. That's right. It's been a lot, lots of whiteboarding figuring yeah. out that name. Um, and Brown the other Smith, brand, Smith Brown. Exactly right. Uh, the other brand is called Lead Coverage. And so you can find us at Smith Brown or at leadcoverage.com. Excellent. Cara, Cara, <laughs> English American. You get it. You. Yeah, you're British. I love it. I know. I know. You, you gave me a free pass, but then that it just is. makes me want to try harder. <laughs> Um, but no, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed this conversation. That was great. Thank and you so I'm much. Like I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys get up to over there. Thanks so much. Thanks, thank you. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. This has been Founders 365.